Hey everyone, welcome to The Water Voice. I'm Greg. And I'm Kevin, and we look forward to talking with you about all things water. And startups. And much more. Let's go. Welcome back to The Water Voice and another short segment. We call these water drops, and I'm blessed by the presence of Bill Powers today. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for joining. Of course. We like to, uh, we share a lot of thoughts and ideas, and I thought, you know what, Bill, hop on the podcast. So here we are. Yeah, happy to be here. So the other day, a story came across my desk from the Scientific American which uh, it's a good publication. I had no idea that this magazine is actually the oldest continuously published magazine in the U.S. Did you know that? Actually, I didn't know that. I thought that uh, I've seen it around for a really long time, but you'd think that's got to be around since like the 1850s. If so, their first article is probably about the gold rush or something. You know? We should go. <laughs> That'd be interesting to go and like dig in and yeah. find those archives. But yeah, apparently Einstein and, and Tesla actually contributed articles at one point in time. So, you know, this is a this is a a good publication, something that, you know, when it comes across my desk, I want to read these type of articles. But this article was all about water shortages and it was titled quote unquote five billion people face water shortages by twenty fifty. And the article basically goes on to warn that around two-thirds of the world's population will face at least one month of water shortages by 2050. And it cited this whole assessment that came from the World Meteor... Meteor... The WMO. The WMO. Meteorological? That's hard to say. The meteorologists (laughs) of the world, uh, their organization... Um, and, and they included projections about river flows, floods, and droughts on every continent in the world and pointed out how water security would be increasingly uneven across the world. And I think that's somewhat obvious. We see that uh, even here in the United States. You have these mega droughts uh, or a mega drought here in the, the western U.S., right. whereas like in the Midwest, um, they're getting an abundance of water and almost too much uh, water when it comes in these sort of extreme weather events. Uh, so that's somewhat obvious, but what I did not realize is that between 2001 and 2018, the UN, the United Nations reported that 74% of all natural disasters were water related. And, um, and maybe that, you know, isn't so shocking, but that seemed like a high number. And so based on that, for the first time, officials at the recent climate conference, I believe COP27, Uh, in Egypt, took another big step toward fully integrating water into their quote-unquote adaptation efforts. Yeah. I think that's, I mean, that's pretty amazing that three-quarters of these, uh, you know, natural disasters are water-related. Because you hear, I mean, like, I guess it makes sense when you think about it. You got hurricanes, you got floods, and I mean, the only one, only natural disaster, I was thinking, what are natural disasters other than earthquakes and tornadoes that aren't water related? <laughs> I know. What What, <laughs> what else one wouldn't? Uh, what other, I, guess I guess wildfires. wildfires yeah. yeah, it's a big one. But wildfires are inadvertently about water in lots of times because it's about droughts, you know. So you almost count those in the, that three quarter mark because like you were saying, places in the West, we're going through tons of wildfires. 
and then you know you'll have you know uh you know new orleans over flood the levees you know kind of thing that's yep. pretty crazy it is it, that number just seems high um but maybe it's not so shocking and you know i think my main takeaway from the article and i'm going to go on a little rant in a sense here yeah. um it's not that 5 billion people are going to face some kind of water shortage by the year 2050. I know that's like the big scary headline and that's very important. I mean, that's, that's kind of dire in a sense, but rather, you know, the so-called experts are finally recognizing that climate change is a water issue. And one of the most significant impacts of changing climate patterns is the impact that it has on precipitation. So this in turn will directly affect the quantity of water that regions get, whether it's too much, like yeah. you just talked about, where you have these flooding events, uh, or it's not nearly enough, and you have these droughts. And so climate change in the end is definitely a water story. And the fact that it's just now starting to get that type of attention, um, in a sense, is a little surprising, but it's a good thing. Um, still, I think there's, and here's my rant, there's all this attention being placed on CO2 reductions yeah. and even removal capture and removal, which is good. I mean, I think that these conversations are needed. Technologies are going to be needed to take CO2, yeah. excess CO2 out of the atmosphere. But the reality is we're going to blow past the 1.5 degrees Celsius climate threshold. The UN has basically right. stated as, you know, here's the threshold. Once we're past this 1.5 degree increase in temperature, it di it's totally dire. Um, so, we know that that's going to happen. And what's interesting now is that experts are finally waking up and they realize that adapting to climate change and even, you know, more than that is like investing in resilience for our cities and for our communities kind of needs to be on par with CO2 removal, CO2 reductions, right. things of this nature. Well, it doesn't have to be necessarily either or, because I think you're right. I, I like, in a betting market, I'd place betting money that we're going to go over these, these, uh, these, uh, you know, like temperature thresholds that we're talking about. So we need to be planning on how to mitigate the water. And I think that's kind of exactly what you're saying is we can try to top, stop CO2 from going into the atmosphere, but we know that these effects are happening and they're coming. So that's why things like aquaphor and other technologies that can work with reclaiming water, because that's just going to be, that's going to be really important, right? I mean, because we have to have, this water is getting thrown out into places where it's unusable. So how do we keep it, yep. where, it need, where it can be used? Yeah. I saw something today, even uh, oddly enough, at my favorite little coffee shop on the wall, first half coffee. Yeah. It shows like as you fill up your water glass, two point, and we've known this, but it was like right there. And I'm like, oh man, this is real. Yeah. 2.5% of the world's water is fresh water. And only 3% of that is usable or drinkable. And so that's amazing. Now there's a way to, and maybe not increase that number, but uh, make that a sustainable number is by, again, replenishing groundwater being able to use stormwater and this rainfall as an asset instead of a waste product. Yeah. And we talk about that all the time. But totally. Well, don't you think like, so does it seem like um, with the UN climate conference that's going to happen in Egypt? So they, they were saying like, uh, you know, the quote unquote uh, adaptation efforts is they're integrating that. 
why wasn't it a bigger deal before? I don't know. I think um, it has to do with honestly. I think it has to do with money and mm-hmm. where and and where money uh, where they wanted money to flow. I I don't know. I don't want to get into all that. What I do know is I saw a number the other day, and we're talking about carbon capture and these really elaborate. You know, it takes it's almost an engineering marvel to be able to go in and remove CO two from the atmosphere. Yeah. But you know, and I have it written down here. Carbon capture increases water withdrawals at power plants by something like, and this is a big delta, but 25 to 200%. And so there are unintended consequences even to these technologies. I'm not saying these technologies aren't needed. They are. And I think as they evolve, you know, they're going to become more efficient. Um, But you need, again, both. You need adaptation and you need the removal and the mitigation of CO2 aspect. Why they weren't focused on adaptation? Um, until this sort of like a, a squeaky wheel gets the grease kind of thing, and now water's getting a little squeakier, right? Yeah, you know, maybe. And you know, Kevin and I talk about this all the time. Is stormwater was always almost even in the realm of water infrastructure, it was always looked at as like as a sector. Yeah, the ugly stepchild. It was right. like it just didn't get much attention, whereas now we're seeing that stormwater is one of the most important aspects of your water management plan if you're a city, right. especially now um, for cities that are going through these mega droughts. So, I mean, you're right. So it's going to be really important. They say 5 billion people are going to have water shortages in like a month long water shortage, and that they're going to have those problems. So it's time now to be ready for that. I mean, yeah, totally agree. Well, thanks, Bill. Um, yeah, thanks for sharing that article with me. I thought it was great. I mean, it just keeps us, uh, we need to stay uh, diligent and be aware of this, of the problems that are, we're, you know, the world is facing. So. Yep, they're all right, solvable. Right? So yeah, that's our, that was our little water droplet. I mean, thanks for listening. And we've been posting these online uh, and we've been having some good conversations with you guys in the comments on our, you know, Instagram and on TikTok and on Facebook. So when you see this come out and you got something to say, I mean, come hit us up on our social medias because uh, I mean, we want to, we want to know how you feel about these things. I mean, it's important. 